The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I know you listened to James Cahill's podcast with Will Darren Hall. They asked James who was going to win. He said Galway. Well, why do you think? Because I just really, really want him to win. <laughs> Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky, proud partner of our women's national football team. Outbelieve together, and we can go anywhere. Yeah, it is a big, big week for the League of Ireland. It's LOI in Europe time. Sean McCover is playing Hibernians of Malta in the first round of their Champions League qualifier uh, tomorrow night in Tala. Looks like it'll be sold out or very, very close. But uh, joined now by Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent. For all of that, Dan, um, I think it's prudent to talk about the raft of transfer uh, rumours uh, and actual changes in the last few days. Dara Burns was confirmed to MK Dons and Danny Mandroyo off to Lincoln as well to name but two. Yeah, um, that's it. I mean, sort of not so much rumours as things that are actually happening, really. Um, maybe some some bogus rumours in the midst of it. But um, I suppose, yeah, the, the Dara Burns one was spoken about across the last week. You know, I suppose for people who aren't familiar with him, you know, very talented player at St. Patrick's Athletic, Ireland under-21 international Um you know, broke through into that sort of squad in the last while, and he's off to MK Dons to League One, and yeah, that's the same level that Danny Mandra is going to go to, um, who you know has been in, on the fringes of the Ireland squad. He was even on the standby for the most recent international uh, gathering, the Nations League One. Um, but yeah, he's he's been able to go and join Lincoln. It's not 100% done yet. Uh, he's injured at the moment, but he's done a medical. Um, but it's basically a formality, as, as Stephen Bradley, his manager, said today. And he's, he's going to go there for, for pretty small money because um, he had a clause in his contract that, that allowed him to do so. Uh, and Shamrock Rovers, over a period of time, weren't able to convince him to sign a longer-term deal that might have got them more from this deal. Um, they've done well at previous deals, at previous sales. Maybe not as much out of this one. Yeah, is is um, St. Pat's a kind of a sign of where the league is going? The other day, like uh, Josh Keeley is join, he joined Spurs. That was three days ago. James Abanqua is off to Udinese now. Dara Burns as well, um, and obviously Luke McNally's transfer uh, to Burnley as well, bringing them in some money. Is this where the League of Ireland is going in general? Um, I mean, listen, it, it's it's it's. I think where the League of Ireland is going in general is that there's more talk about transfers. It's because, and and this doesn't exclusively extend to all those players you spoke about there, because some of them are small but older, some of them are later developers. But but generally, like we used to have a raft of Irish players leaving at 16, 17, you know, particularly sixteen, and there'd be no real fanfare around it. Um, what we're seeing now is that more players will leave at a later age, um, because of the Brexit rules, particularly ones going to the UK. And there's there's almost more of a story around it because they played first team football and you know more about them. Now, that's not even the case in the case of Josh Keeley, who's gone to the Spurs. He's played one match, um, but yeah, like the ideal world scenario is that um, that these players go and you'll be properly reimbursed. And Pat seemed to have done well on some deals. Although I'm not 100% sure about some of the figures that have been bandied about for certain deals, but they're still doing and um, they're still doing well on on deals and. I I I like I don't know. Is it the way forward? Is a bit of a sort of a. I I don't really know what that means in this context. I mean, clearly, um, some of the fees still aren't particularly big, and clearly as well, um, you need to have if you're going to be drained on a regular basis of talent, then you need to have like a guaranteed uh, supply line to replace all of these. And there comes a point where you can't keep 
losing players in a high volume um, particularly as you know there's obviously an issue with the top end say of the League of Ireland ladder with what happens with players under 19 level without sort of digging down into it too deeply and um, there's a danger that there would be a drop off and you might need some of these players who might be later developers than the ones who, who go away to England and will now go away at 18-19 as opposed to 16, 17. And what happened before is a load of players left at 16, which allowed the maybe, you know, the later developers to flourish at home, whereas now it's slightly changed. So there's just a little few factors to, to tap into before declaring it some kind of way forward. It's, it's still not ideal, but I suppose I take their general point is that there's maybe some bigger money coming in. But as I said, hasn't happened in Mandrew. And what's happening out there in the world now is that every agent operating on the scene knows... Um, that sort of release clauses um, can be the way forward and maybe still put some kind of limit on income that comes in here. Yeah, that's interesting because well, you look at, we'll say, Alex Murphy is having his last game for Go United. He's going to Newcastle. Go United are effectively owned by billionaires. You've a wealthy guy owning St. Pat. Shamrock Rovers part owned by Dermot Desmond. They've made about three, 3 million from the Bazuna deal. So I guess you're alluding to this. At the very least, uh, League of Ireland players have, have are getting money now that they can reinvest into their own academies and so on. Well, well, as I said, yes, like in some transfers, but like, no, it's not something that's happening across the board either. So like, let's, you know, I think there's a lot of work to do still to like establish a sort of a proper level of respect. So it happens more regularly. I think, as I said, I think some of the clubs you've mentioned have have, have started, but I think the next step is, is going to be, and I, I do hear like anecdotal tales about this happening, about certain, certain promising players at 16, 17 being tied down on, on long-term deals at that stage. Because I think maybe before, you know, clubs here, like I think you have to be prepared probably to, 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 to gamble and and spend, I suppose, or give proper wages to young professionals here, even ones that you're not 100% certain that they're going to pay off. And that involves an investment and a, a level of resource that isn't there um, necessarily across the board. You know, that you we want to create a football industry here, but you'll have a situation where you'll probably have say 17, 18 year olds on very, very, very derisory amounts of money. Mm. It's very hard for them to live on. But then, you know, when they then go for peanuts, we, we, we are angry about it. So there's obviously a balance to be found between the two where you're able to sort of hop, hand out better deals to your better young players that as a result then allow you to be stronger in terms of looking for more money when it comes to the comes to the, to the pension. As I said, like, I think St. Pat's gave Dara Burns a few contracts and it's, it's worked out reasonably well for them. Him, although his contract was up at the end of the year, um, Bazuna was an exceptional one. Um, you know, there's other examples of players that are unreasonable long-term young players that are unreasonable long-term deals. But the flip side is, you know, there's other young players who um, who will do everything or have been advised to do everything possible um, to to have a price tag being put on their head. So we can't declare it as progress really at this stage. But there's there's good examples that hopefully will be followed through footers. But I, I, I would say broadly, sort of a long winded answer. Um there, like this the example of Luke McNally that you mentioned again, who not everyone listening to the show may be fully aware of him because he didn't necessarily have a big profile in the League of Ireland before he went. But he's someone who played in the first division here, he played in the Premier Division. Um he's he's gone through every step of the ladder through the underage leagues as well. Um, without having been an outstanding schoolboy player and at the age of what we're maybe 22 now is he or that sort of ballpark territory he's, he's, he's got a sort of a seven figure move to a very good championship club and that pathway is one that should inspire you know young players at the moment who may 
who may not necessarily have a huge amount of offers at 16, 17, um, you know, that it can happen for them eventually. I think that's a good thing for the League of Ireland, certainly. Yeah, no Jack Byrne, no Graham Burke for the game tomorrow, and uh, no Danny Mandroyu. I think he was injured anyway. But um, how much of a blow is this Shamrock Rovers? I think you've written extensively and spoken uh, on our podcast about this. That you know this this is massive for Rovers how they get on in Europe this this year. Um, they're heavily you know heavy favourites tomorrow. They're expected to win, but they are missing three marquee players that they normally have. Yeah, I mean, this is like um, a, a huge tie for them. There's no dispute in that. I mean, Hibernians of Malta are not, um, they're not Slope and Bratislava, who they placed they faced at this round last year. Um, and generally, like our, our champions um, have been unseeded quite a lot of the time in this first round. But this year, they've crept into the seeded side of it now. Um, there's a few factors that went their way the Russian clubs I think a domino effect of, of that but either way they've got the opportunity and even within that they've got probably one of the more favourable draws within it and I mean in simple terms if Shamrock Rovers win this tie win this two-legged tie with the champions of Malta they're guaranteed to be involved in European football until the end of August you know with, with a strong chance of, of of making a group stage in one of the competitions um, more than likely the Conference League you would have to say um, but but winning the first tie it opens doors for you to, to a greater level of opportunity and I think it's a door they really have to step through notwithstanding the fact that they are missing some players so are Hibernians who are a modest side compared to what you could face um, so I think if we have aspirations for our teams and we want our teams to get better and we, and we like to believe that they're getting better then I think these are the games that it's a reasonable expectation to put on your champions that they should be able to get through them yeah and obviously you know Derry City and Sligo Rovers in action as well I think you wrote about this in your newsletter for Independent Readers Friday that it's a time of the year you enjoy but I suppose the League of Ireland fan as well you are trying to sell the League of Ireland to those who maybe take a sporadic interest or aren't interested this week to me it does seem to matter it does seem to matter how the teams get on the wider context no, of course it does. And I mean, I think, you know, obviously within the league and, and fans of other clubs may not be wishing on, <laughs> wishing, you know, Bose fans won't be wanting Rovers to win and, vice, you know, and, and, and that would be the same with other rivalries. And I completely understand that. But I, there is no doubt that, and I'm very well aware of this in the world that I work in, that if your European teams are going well, um, it can make for a very promising time of the year. The extent to which, you know, it has an impact can be debated but like last season there's no doubt that the results in Europe were generally quite good just a little bit of frustrations at the final hurdle but but I think it was the best return in terms of like 90 minute wins across the campaign I think under the current ranking system so that's promising like you had those big bows games at the Aviva which were obviously um, very good events but that was actually timely at the time because I know there's a big debate at the moment ongoing and it's continually ongoing about maybe securing government support and investment and I think even good results in Europe and, and proving that these European games can be good events that can be positive sporting events I think that does help to to build your case like you have to believe that you're going somewhere so I think all of these games are important I say it every year, you sort of have to win your way into the news cycle. Like Rovers and Hibernians is not the biggest game in the world. But if they get through um, and they're playing Ludogorets and the you know the GEA season is slowing down a small bit in terms of volume of games, like there is a there is a 
uh, a window there where you could get a lot of coverage and attention and publicity. And as a consequence of that, like I certainly feel that these games are all very important, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Shamrock Rovers have yet to qualify for group stages um, since, obviously, the Mick O'Neill era. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that's, like, a, a failure or whatever, but you do get the sense that Stephen Bradley's been building for this and it's a kind of a, a sore that they haven't quite achieved it yet. Yeah, and no, I mean, I, I mean, I think he might he might play it down a small bit when you speak to him. Um, but I'm sure, privately, they all know that this is the next step. I mean, you know, it, it's Dave... Dave Sort of, they're they're going for three in a row leagues here. It looks like they are going to do that. Um, I think their squad has been assembled. I mean, over the winter they would have spoken about you know assembling a squad depth with sort of challenges in mind. And I think the idea would have been you know fixture schedules in the summer being quite heavy on account of Europe. I mean, you mentioned the support of Dermot Desmond and and certainly you know European football would be attractive I mean Rovers with their success I mean financially they're still they've got work to do to sort of balance the books um, and the money from group stage football would be very very welcomed and there's no dispute in that Um, so I think you say that Dan sorry is that a a COVID thing or not because obviously this year their crowds have been excellent in Tala yeah I mean I still think like um there would have been an impact of that, there is no doubt. But in, in saying that, there was also reasonable covert supports given to clubs in the league. We've seen at, at a lesser level, like clubs were t- turning profits that were never turning profits. Now, obviously, they would have might have been clubs with very small wage bills, whereas Shamrock Rovers would have a substantial wage bill. And they have you know players in long-term contracts. And, and this has always been the way in the League of Ireland generally, that unless you have benefactor support in some shape or form it is hard to, to balance the books unless you you can do do extremely well under a number of headings so um i, I you know i i'm not saying that they're under mad pressure from that from that perspective i'm not because uh, you know, their crowds are working very well and, it, and it's part of a long-term plan i think that you know it's not all about sort of uh, sort of turning profits every year but in saying that like the way the club is developing the natural step in their ambitions is group stages. Like that's that's where you want to go. Like winning the league gives you better chances to get in the back door to the avenues that are there. Mm-hmm. So while that now exists, like you have to eventually cross that threshold at some stage. I mean, there was champions of of reasonably modest leagues in it last year. So I think Rovers will feel deep down that they're, they're probably good enough. You need a little bit of luck with the draw, but still. Um, I think you know they have to aspire towards that and it's the natural next step for them to, to try and cross that hurdle and there's only one place to finish uh, and that is the news that John Eustace is joining Birmingham City it's happened again Dan what is happening with Stephen Kenny's backroom team he appoints these up and coming kind of assistant coaches and young aspiring coaches and then they just leave what's what's the, the next step forward here does he appoint somebody who's like 75 uh, last job in his career or what does he do yeah, well, I mean, that's it. You sort of, the answer's in the question. I mean, clearly, like, it's it's far from ideal, but there's obviously two stages to his coaching crisis stuff. I mean, Damien Duff and Alan Kelly, there's no doubt, like, that that they, they left as a, as a consequence of the fallout of a, of, a dis, of a dispute, you know, and without going down that road. But subsequently, you know, Stephen Kenny has taken the decision to, to go after coaches that are on the way up. But if you go after coaches that, that are on the way up, um, the chances are that they'll be, they'll be, they'll be picked from you and effectively that's what this is what happened I mean Anthony Barry 
got the opportunity to go to a World Cup with Belgium. Rory Higgins left to become a manager uh, for the first time, and John Eustace has left to become a manager for the first time. He's got, you know, he's got a job as a manager of a Championship club. You know, it's not as if he's sort of gone in and way down the pyramid or something like that's a sought after job. That I mean. Like how long? I mean, Roy Keane can't get a job in the championship, you know. So it's sort of like it's, are you putting it's not, two and two together here? <laughs> no, Jesus Christ. Um, um, no, but uh, that this, they did not clip this in such a way that I've said that. Like, this is if you uh, haven't heard clear, Dan in the last ten minutes, we just have. To be clear, I'm not saying. Um, but no, I, I know what you're saying. Like, what do you do? Do you keep going after people who are? Like I think his whole thinking with the appointments was liking someone who's working actively at a good level so they're on top of sort of coaching trends and stuff. Do you just go for someone who's a safe bet because you know no one else is going to want them? Is that the right way to be thinking about the appointment? But in saying that, like the instability is an ideal, you know, of, of, of players meeting a different coach again. Like John Eustace was barely there and he's gone. So... I don't know, is there a happy medium? But can, like, the other point as well, it's not as if the FBI are, are paying a quarter of a million quid to assistant managers anymore. You mm. know, that those days are gone. So if you get someone on a reasonably modest deal and they get the opportunity to, to, to get a full time, like, you know, manager's job somewhere else or on a higher salary, well, like, they're going to go. So I don't know, do you go down the levels? You know, a little bit lower standard a coach, so you'll be safe from instability. Um, I don't know. Like you see, the FEI accounts are still not flush with cash. You know, so they're probably always going to be left in in some kind of dilemma here. I, 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 I. I but the problem with Kenny is that it, it's everyone who leaves. It's added to a list as though it's some kind of um, people can't stand working with him or something. Whereas anyone saying that with Barry and and Higgins and Eustace is only is only stirring the pot for their own reasons. On that note, thanks for your time, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, football on off the ball is brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, PT Sports and Premier Sports. Football on off the ball. With Sky, proud partner of our women's national football team. Out believe together and we can go anywhere.